I'm Tony Tardio. Hello and welcome to Darren Hinch's That's Life podcast, a podcast where we talk about the big stories of the past, the big stories of today, through the prism of Hinch's six decades in the media. Darren Hinch, welcome to That's Life. Well, thank you. Uh, I don't know. I'm a bit confused at the moment. Do I call you Mr. Tardio or Sir Antonio Tardio? <laughs> well, I don't know what you call me, to be honest with you, but um, I guess I should say that uh, uh, last week um, I was uh, given a, a, a cavaliere, which is an Italian knighthood, which I, 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 I can't tell you how proud I am of that, uh, Darren. Now, how do you get that? I mean, I, th- I thought you bought them. <laughs> well, well, I didn't hand over any money. I can tell so, you. So, was it for services to the Italian community, and you work on Italian radio? Well, and that sort of stuff? look, I tell you how it all happened. The consul general, who I know uh, quite well, uh, there's a new consul general every four years that comes out from Italy, and Pierluigi Trombetta is the uh, the one that's been here for the last four years, and I've done quite a bit of work uh, with him. Whenever there's an Italian function, I MC the function, uh, Festa della Repubblica, all sorts of different functions. And um, I I do it for nothing because, uh, I number one, I enjoy doing it and uh, I meet a lot of people doing it and um, I just uh, feel that um, that's what I want to do. And, uh, you know, not only that, but I've done a lot of uh, functions with the Italian community uh, raising money for the earthquake that happened in L'Aquila many years ago. And, of course, you know I do the Italian program, so, yeah. and, and we, we highlight uh, Italian stories of uh, Italians who've done well here. I mean, really, the, the Italian migration, like the Greek migration, um, and like most migration, uh, the people that come out here come out here to do things. They're ambitious, they've uh, struggled in their early life, so they're determined to be successful. And really, <clears throat> Australia without migration, can you imagine what it would be like? We've well, spoken is, this about is, this. This is why you're finding um, with um, Asian migration, people coming here are so determined to do well. The kids are so determined to do well at school, to, to get ahead, to, to break away from where they came from in terms of education. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking back to the 1950s now. I arrived here in 63, and that was around the time of Nino Colotto and They're a Weird Mob, yeah. <laughs> that book about about Italians. And uh, and with, without, I mean, without my, this is why the, the anti-migrant people are so dumb, because without migrants, we wouldn't have half of the culture, not a quarter of the culture that we've got. We'd still be eating rubbish English food um, and thinking it was the best in the world. And when you think now what we've got from from, from Asia, from Italy, from Greece... From Europe, it's been extraordinary, and I noticed now. And it's, it's a good thing we're talking about now because the the government has decided to increase um, migration uh, next year. They're going to, not by much, but they're going to, they realise that if we, we need um, you know, migrant workers, we need uh, uh, backpacker workers. Otherwise, crops don't get picked. Well, that's right. I, I mean, I know uh, many, many young Italians because Italy has been going through what Europe's been going through, which is uh, ter- terrible economic uh, difficulties. Uh, it has improved a little bit. Then COVID came along. Uh, but, you know, from 2007, when the global financial crisis hit, Europe was hit very badly. Mm-hmm. So what you have now is you've got um, thousands and thousands of young Italians 
well-educated Italians, because Italy is a is a country where they value value education, mm-hmm. and many many young Italians go on to do tertiary qualifications. So they are superbly qualified, but they don't have jobs in Italy. They come out to Australia. Many of them want to stay, and I always say. Australia would be silly not to grab these people. They've been edu- educated by the Italian taxpayer. We didn't even have to educate them. Yeah. Can you imagine what they will be able to do in the next 20, 30, 40 years if they are allowed to remain here, given what their, uh, you know, the previous generation did and they had little education? Yeah. Uh, so I, I think if Australia was smart, they would, not just from Italy, but from everywhere, they would grab these well-educated people because it would take Australia to the next level. And I don't think a population of 25 million in our part of the world with a big country that we've got is, is, is enough. And well, we're I, looking know I know it's unpopular, but look, I'm going back um, 20, 30 years, and I mentioned this on Sunrise the other day, when Bill Hayden said... Um, Australia needs to work towards a population of 50 million and people went apeshit. They said, how can we do it? But it makes sense in a, in a big country, as long as you keep building the infrastructure, to use that awful word, keep building the infrastructure, then Australia could, could handle a population of 40, 50 million. Well, I think it would handle it easily. And given what's going on with China... Uh, I mean, we're, we're, we're fairly exposed. I've been reading that if China invades Taiwan, then it's a big decision to be made. Does the United States try and stop it? Or does yes, it just... they would. The United States would try to stop it. Well, well, and, well, and, and therefore we we would be at war with China. Would, would well would be would the U.S. be successful in stopping it? Uh, I, I, I mean, the sure. ramifications of all that would be yeah. would be enormous. So. I think we can only be secure in ourselves if we are a much bigger country than what we are now. But even with 50 million, we wouldn't be secure if China became aggressive. I mean, we, we, I saw Peter Dutton on television the other day when he said China's complaining about us buying these nuclear submarines. He said China's got about 400 of them and another 200 on the way. Yeah. So, well, so the- I mean, but we could, we could never... We could never and should never get involved in a war with China, but if the US and, and say, even NATO got involved, we'd be committed by our, um, by our relationships with, with the US and the UK to go into. It'd be, it would be almost World War III. It, it's, uh, maybe I'm being naive. I don't think it will happen. I don't think anybody in this day and age wants another war. I mean, we've been a long time without, without a major one. Uh, I don't think even the Chinese don't want a major war, but you've seen the way they've they've trampled on the rights in, of people in Hong Kong, despite all the agreements when when the English handed Hong Kong back after their 99-year lease. So who knows what would happen? Yeah, I, I think, though, that Australia would be more secure in our region if we were a bigger country, and people would think twice about tackling a country of 50 million people with all the resources and the uh, the economic clout and uh, the defence money that could be spent if we were a bigger country like that. Well, so well if, if, I mean, if China, this is being hypothetical and I didn't mean to get off on this tangent, but if China came after you know, Australia, the United States under ANZUS would have to come and protect us, have to come and defend us. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, the world's changing, Darren, isn't it? I mean, you know, like the US and Russia, apparently there's an axis there that uh, now now Russia has always wanted to get its hands on the Ukraine. Now, I read... I read that if that happens at the same time as China invades Taiwan, the US can't fight both areas. It's it's too stretched. Yeah, um, that, that's true. That is true. Darren, we're, we're, we're heading toward the end of the year, so I, I thought it would be a good idea to review 2021. Remember there was a show that used to be called TW3? That was the year that was. It was a famous English show. I think David Frost hosted it. It was a satirical show called, and it was shortened to TW3. That was the year that was. Well, uh, remember that, was the that, year that year. That was the year that was for us. And at the end of 2020, we said, oh, thank God that year's gone. 2021 can't be worse. And it was. <laughs> <laughs> remember that? <laughs> oh, yes, I do. Well, personally, what's the year been like for you? Because I've had a good year. I, I've become a grandfather and uh, I've been watching my little granddaughter grow and, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's been a good year well, for me. Well, being very selfish, and I've said this before, and I preface it by saying I'm very lucky because I live in an apartment with a beautiful view of the city and I see the city night lights and I've got a balcony and I can go to walks, walks in the Botanic Gardens, etc., etc. And I'm well aware how lucky I am and how many people are not living like this who are in jammed, crowded during lockdowns in maybe a two-bedroom flat that was meant for three people and has got seven people in it, you know. So I recognise that. But I, I have had personally had a great year. Um, the Goya Club has, has bloomed, has blossomed. That's the... Uh, my mythical walking club called uh, Goya, which is an acronym for Get Off Your Ass. <laughs> and uh, I've got members in America, in China, in uh, Slovakia, in the Middle East, in New Zealand, and people get off their backsides and, and walk. Um, my, my goal has been and been achieved of, of five kilometres a day, six days a week. And uh, in the first year of it, I lost uh, 10 kilos and I've kept it off, which is good. So physically, I've, I don't think I've been as, as fit 20, 30 years ago, as I am now. Um, professionally, it's been good. Um, I had my book, Coping, was published uh, in July by, by Hardy Grant. And ironically, I started writing that before COVID. It was all about coping with life, with grief, with illness, with uh, unemployment. And those sorts of things all came to a head even more uh, during COVID, during 2020 and 2021. So uh, that book came out, uh, which I was very happy with. I won't tell you what the next one's about, but I've been all these lockdowns this year I've been very disciplined and uh, I've written 75,000 words of my next book to come out in the middle of next year. Well Darren given the situation you were in 10 years ago uh, when you were you know facing uh, facing your mortality really three weeks away you were uh, does that stay with you do you think like like uh, I mean I, I know people say oh they're going to make the most of their life uh, when they have uh, a second chance like that but 10 years no, on I, does it I stay with you 10 years on it, it, it probably does but I don't I, I do make the most of my life I like I like working I, I doubt I'll ever retire um, it doesn't 
I don't dwell on it, um, but I did have a, in July, on July 6th this year, I had a small gathering. We, we had a break from lockdowns. I had a small gathering with my, my doctor and my nursing staff and some friends and, and you, um, other friends, um, to celebrate my 10th year of, of added life, which was a, a huge boost when you think, I mean, I died on the operating table 10 years ago, so, and they had to bring me back. So I'm, I am very lucky. And then since then, I've had three years in the Senate. I plan to stand again in the election um, next year. Um, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough for all independents and small parties. Uh, and the government and the Labor Party have tried to make it even tougher by insisting we increase the number of members that our parties have to have. And if you're an independent, not even a party, you're so far down the list when it comes to the uh, uh, to the, the ballot paper, etc. Um, it's hard. But look, I'm loving life. I, 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 I pride myself that during lockdown, the last lockdowns, I didn't order one takeaway meal. I cooked in my kitchen every day. Uh, I cooked fairly healthily, um, uh, and I and I I found my life has changed like a lot of people's have. I find that even when we're out of lockdown, my interest in going to restaurants and going out has has um, dwined, and you know it really has has dwindled. Um, and I, th I think a lot of people's lives have changed. I think people's attitudes towards spending money through necessity, because you know a lot of people have lo lost hours or lost jobs because of COVID. Um, we, we, I think people have reflected a lot. Families, I think, have got closer because they spent more time at home in forced enclosures, forced together. There are downsides of that. I'm sure there's been increased domestic violence in some areas, but all up, being being forced into, into, into togetherness, I think, has helped people. During January 1 last year, the words of the Australian National Anthem, Advance Australia Fair, were changed for the first time since 1984, amended to the line for we, uh, from we young are and young and free to for we are one and free. And I'm thrilled about that because on, when I was doing Sky a couple of years ago, before this even happened, I didn't know it was going to happen, I was campaigning for it to happen because we're not young and free. We're a very old country. Some people argue stupidly we're not free, but they've never lived under communism, I guess. But I, I, I was on Sky and saying we should simply just change the words from we are young and free to we are one and free. And uh, voila, without putting it to any referendum or anything, Scott Morrison did it. And I'm thrilled he did because... It makes it more realistic to all Australians, in my view. Well, I was watching the start of the first cricket test uh, between England and Australia the other day, and uh, they played the national anthem, which they never used to do before cricket. Now, I, I like the fact that they're doing all that sort of stuff. Mm. The anthem, though, even you can change it and tinker it, it, it doesn't do it for me, the Australian national anthem. I think well, we need Gert, something Gert has, better. Hey, Tony, Gert has always been a problem, hasn't it? <laughs> Who's Gert? Yeah. You know, our land is Gert by sea. Who the hell is Gert? The New Zealand national anthem is magnificent. Mm. But the Australian yeah. national anthem, Advanced Australia Fair, just yeah, it doesn't do but, it for me. But, but no, you couldn't have gone... I mean, I know when they had the the, 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 the poll about polls about it, you couldn't have gone with Walsing Matilda. I mean, you, really, it's, it's it's a national song. It's a lovely song, and I, we play it overseas. We, we couldn't overseas. go with the tune and change the words and someone write magnificent words to it? Cause well, they, remember, they, they tried to get, um, um, what's his name, Murray, to uh, Tim, the, uh, the, the poet, to rewrite words for the... For the Constitution, and he came up with mate and stuff, and it all went, went, went us up. Um, you could probably change the words. I mean, as I said, girt by sea is thing, and 
Yeah, but, but we are one in three. I think it means uh, you know, all Australians, Indigenous and otherwise, can all be can, can be embraced in that. And I, I like quite like that. It's not the easiest anthem to sing, I must admit. The American national anthem is very stirring, like, even though it's it's full of violence. You know, rockets, red glare, bombs bursting in air, etc. <laughs> uh, I mean, it, it is, but it's um, it's a, it's a stirring. It's, a, it's an anthem, uh, and also in New Zealand, you notice they sing. Um, they sing one verse in Maori yes, and then one verse in English. Which I, I actually love. When I went to the yeah. Seoul Olympic Games in 88, um, uh, they played the East German national anthem quite often because a lot of the East German swimmers won the gold medal. And that was a, mag- a magnificent national anthem, the East German uh, national Well, well La, La Marseillaise is, is, is a stirring anthem, isn't it? The French national anthem. Yeah, the Brisbane yeah. Lions theme song. <laughs> Darren, uh, February, February 18 this year, Facebook blocked all Australian news websites from sharing news content. Uh, Facebook and uh, these, uh, they've had a big year. Google, you know, cleaning up mm. at the moment still. Uh, but, they did- but since then, I mean, the Australian government um, dug in there a little bit on, on another issue, and I think we're making some headway. Uh, I can see why... why um, News media would be annoyed at people just ripping off their, their material, and and I notice now that Facebook has done deals with various major news groups. So one that, with the that, Nine Network, I, yeah, I and know. That, 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 and, and the Nine Network means television and radio because of Macquarie and Two GB, and newspapers mean the Sydney Morning Herald and the Age. So I think that that that's that um, blockade by Facebook it, in the end it turned out to Australia's advantage, and now of course you've got. Um, the new moves by the federal government to try and get um, try, try and stop trolls from anonymously uh, spouting their, their, their vulgarities, um, especially in, in defamation cases. But I mean, that would be a start. If um, I know you've been close to this one, if federal governments and especially state governments stop putting out fake troll accounts of their own. <laughs> Right? Yes. I, I don't know who, who they are, but I know they're out there. And I think uh, the they are out there, believe me. The Victorian state government is probably one of the worst offenders. Well, the other day I tweeted something about, you know, kids uh, having to wear, well, not kids, people over 12. Uh, basically, the, the story was my daughter wanted to get uh, my granddaughter uh, uh, their, her first uh, photograph first with, with Santa Claus. Mm-hmm. And she doesn't want a photograph with her wearing a mask in it, you know, with the mum and dad wearing a mask. And at, at Doncaster, you have to wear a mask. At Northland and Chadston, you don't have to wear a mask. Now, I just tweeted, you know, why the discrepancy? I copped heaps for that. As you, as <laughs> and, you, if, and, you, and that probably came from government trolls, you reckon? I reckon it did. Yeah, as if I'm criticising. I'm not criticising anybody. I, I just wanted to know why. Well, I, well, I thought I thought you're allowed to take your mask off for five seconds, have your picture taken with Santa Claus, and then put it back on again. Well, that's what I thought too. But Doncaster Shopping Centre are not doing that now. Now, who would want to have a photograph with Santa Claus? Well, you can't see the people's faces. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. It's <laughs> true. Um, let me see what else. Well, in March we had the the final report of the Royal Commission into Aged Care. And that was a big Royal Commission. Well, it didn't tell us anything we didn't know. I mean, I've, 
we, when I was in the Senate, I campaigned hard for this, for the Royal Commission. Also, I campaigned for um, ratios with nurses and carers in aged care, which at the time, I know Labor's moved around a bit now, come on side, but at the time I couldn't get anybody interested, not Libs, not Labor, not the Nats, not the Greens. I had all the, 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 the midwifery union were, were right behind it all, and we actually held one uh, a rally in, in, in Bill Shorten's electorate, um, uh, Mooney Ponds, because because of this. Um, look, it's been a... it, You know, I, I, look, I know I've said this a thousand times, Tony, on radio, but politicians forget that the only difference between old people and them is that the old people got there first, right? And the, the way that we, we treat old people sometimes... I mean, when I was in jail, the last time I was in jail, I got $10 a day for food, right? $10 a day, and all the free milk I wanted. I could have 10 litres of milk for free if I wanted it. The average pay for people in uh, for food, f for people in aged care, is $6.07 a day. Well, I've had emails from people with photographs of food that they were served that you wouldn't feed to to a starving dog. Mm -hmm. It's just, uh, I mean, and and the, in the last couple of weeks here in Victoria, we've had the uh, the inquiry into the St. Ba was a coronial inquiry into the St. Basil's. Uh, uh, situation with COVID there, where fifty elderly people died. Five of them died from neglect, Darren. This was this was a Greek tragedy. It really was, and, uh, and a lot of people have still some questions to answer. And we haven't got the results out from that that that, that report. But um, obviously, there were affected um, uh, staff who were ordered to go on furlough. But th the new staff coming in had no idea of how to handle people. And 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 you're quite right. People were people was in nursing homes under the threat of COVID were starving. We're starving to death in Melbourne in, 19, in 2020. Yeah. Just unbelievable. The 29th of March, Prime Minister Morrison reshuffled his cabinet. Michaelia Cash replaced Christian Porter. Now, what do you think of what happened to Christian Porter or that well, whole he, story? He brought it on, he brought it on himself. I, I, we do not know at this stage still who whether he was, she was right, his victim, alleged victim was right, or she was raped or she wasn't raped. But where Christian Porter, where people forget, finally lost his job, he had no no leg to stand on after he took a million dollars from a, quote, blind trust to pay for his legal fees. Well, we still don't know, know who... who didn't know who, where it came from. Now, that, what if it came from Tony Mockbell? I mean, for Christ's sake, you can't do that. And at the time, he was the Attorney General. Two things out of all this. One, he had to go as Attorney General. And two, the last person in Canberra I thought would have got the job as Attorney General was Michaelia Cash. <laughs> because she refused to cooperate with the Federal Police over issues involving her own department. Yeah, that's now that's... the Attorney General of Australia who who, who thumbed her nose at, at the um, at, at the federal police. Now that was involving a raid on uh, offices, yes. wasn't it? Uh... It was a raid on, on a union office, and uh, she denied that, that that her office tipped off the journos because the journos were there before the cops got there, and she denied it. It turned out that her staff had tipped off journos, did know about it, but she had gone to the then Prime Minister, um, Malcolm Turnbull, with the offsider who tipped off the press and reassured Malcolm 10 minutes before question time, no, we had nothing to do with it, when in fact they had everything to do with it. They were in deep doo-doo over the whole thing, and uh, the, the, the staff are finally resigned or was fired. 
The 21st of April, the Australian government announced it will be pulling Victoria out of the Chinese Belt and Road Initiative completely. What's happened with that? Because it's gone very quiet. I mean, the way it was set up by the Andrews government um, had question marks written all over it. Uh, but there were other ones at the same time. We had the Northern Territory where they suddenly sold, we suddenly sold a 99-year lease on, on, on the port. Uh, to the Chinese, um, we 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 didn't take the Chinese th economic threat very seriously, in my mind, state or federal. Um, you've seen in recent years, in places like the Solomon Islands and and, and others and small island countries, where the Chinese have and, and Sri Lanka, where the Chinese have loaned money to governments, knowing pretty well that they won't be able to pay it back, and therefore they move in and 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 and, and commandeer tangible assets in lieu of the, of, of the loans. Now, that has been a tactic by the Chinese at least for the last five years. Mm. It's like being a bank taking possession of uh, assets when they've lent yeah. money out and you can't pay the loan. Yeah. And, you, um, and the Chinese know when they lend the money to these poorer countries that they... The, the day of reckoning will come and they'll just take what they want. Now, Darren, I've been to your pl place quite often and there's a, a, a painting of you, a portrait of you. Now, that's that was entered into the Archibald, was it? Yes, it was. Well, because this year Peter Wegner won the 2021 Archibald Prize for a portrait of Guy Warren. Do you know how your portrait went? And what year was that uh, that your portrait? Oh, I can't remember. It must have been... Must have been five or six years ago. Um, I don't remember exactly. I don't think it went went very well. Um, and the I, I would not normally have it hanging in my apartment. I, I maybe have some vanity, but not that much. But the <laughs> artist who painted it brought it here and said, "It's yours." And I thought, "Well, okay." So, and I, and I, I do quite like it. So, and I know Jackie Weaver um, has been painted for the for the Archibald about three times or four times. So, I've got a couple of her paintings. Uh, uh, in my possession as well. Well, it's a beautiful painting. It makes you it, it makes you look very very handsome. Actually. Oh yeah, well, <laughs> artists are entitled to lie, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would have thought that'd be worth quite a bit of money at some stage. That uh, that who, who was the artist? You know, look, he, he was he was, he was a, a young first time artist from the Blue Mountains in in, in New South Wales, and I've forgotten his name, but. Uh, he, uh, Anybody just he, rang you up and, and yeah, he's contacted me. So either email or something. He said, I'd, "I'd like to paint you, paint you." So, and of course, there, there are now rules. After they had a mess up once, uh, with an Archibald winner was disqualified because he'd never sat in person with the with the um, the person, the the, the, uh, the object, the painted subject. Painted it off a picture or something. And now, what you what, you, what you're allowed to do, you can take some um, <clears throat> Polaroids, which he had done and use them to, as a guide, but you must at least have one sitting physically with the, um, the subject. And I think it, that somebody examined the uh, Archibald rules and found out that this man, this winner, had not done that and challenged it, and he was disqualified on that ground. So, so this young man from um, Sydney came down here. He took some photographs, sat with me, sketched me for about an hour or so, uh, and I was amazed as a young newcomer, the detail he got, I mean, it's a bit of a caricature, but the detail he got in the shirt, like the crumble, the crumpled shirt and the, the stripes in the shirt, really looked like a, a real pro had done it, so I was very pleased with it. 21st of June, Barnaby Joyce came back. 
He defeated uh, Michael McCormack in a leadership spill of the National Party. Has, has Barnaby lifted the Nationals since then? I don't think so. And uh, I think it was a mistake having him back. Uh, I don't think he deserved to come back. He's proven uh, since then with, uh, with his obstruction of even of, of National Party moves over climate change that... Uh, that Barnaby is still all for Barnaby. He's, um, you know, Barnaby's well, What was choice. he like with you, Darren, when you were in the Senate? Do you have I much hardly to do knew him because he's, he's in the lower house. I hardly knew him. I was forced to go and apologise to him, uh, which I, I, I think I got conned into uh, because the President of the Senate said I'd used unparliamentary language in my maiden speech uh, when I, I referred to Barnaby Joyce as Barnyard Barnaby. <laughs> <laughs> now, <laughs> that was really had you not apologise... What could they have done to you? Oh, they could have censured me, I suppose. You know, what does that mean? People get censured all the time. Oh, I don't know. I suppose they could could have banned me from the Senate for a week or something like that, I suppose. I don't know. But I, and look, just to keep keep the calm and keep the peace, I, I went around and said, look, I'm, you know, that, was the, that was a nickname I'd used for him for years. And he was quite, you know, he was, he was cool, but quite, quite pleasant about it all. But I, I thought that, uh, that Joyce um, should not have come back as, as Deputy Prime Minister. Um, 21st... Some of his speeches in recent times, when you watch Question Time, have been gobbledygook. Yeah, Absolutely well, gobbledygook. And, and he's not I mean, looking I love, healthy. I love the fact that he got the, the, you know, they used to call him beetroot head. Yeah, he's and, not looking uh, healthy. He, he goes uh, red and, and he's and carrying then, course, a bit of he, weight. When his when he's, um, when he's extracurricular activities came out, they nicknamed him the beetrooter. <laughs> <laughs> who, nicknamed, who nicknamed him that? I don't know. I do know he was. He, he went from beetroot head to the beetroot. I thought that was quite quite clever. Twenty first of July. Can I, can I, while we're talking about nicknames, and we can do this because it's, it's nearly Christmas. Um, have I told you the one? We, and we know that uh, Greg Hunter's retiring at the next election, right? Yes. So one of the great nicknames of all time will disappear forever. Uh, and uh, I think it was, uh, it was one, one female Labor person yelled it out across the room to him at uh, during question time not knowing what the nickname really meant. <laughs> and his nickname, and I won't explain it, but his nickname was Yorick. Right? <laughs> and I say, hey, Yorick, how you going, Yorick? And this was yelled across the chamber several times. And of course, his, his last name is Hunt, so I'll leave it at that. Yes, well, I guess if you put the two together <laughs> and you really focus on it, <laughs> you'll understand. Yeah, it's like... Speaks, um, and moving on to speak of nicknames... I'm told, and I can't prove this, that ScoMo actually came up with a nickname ScoMo himself. So the man from marketing. Oh, well, he's ScoMo, a marketing man, isn't he? Yeah. He's so. a marketing man. I thought ScoMo sounded affectionate and matey and sort of thing. And uh, so I, I don't know if, if that is true or not, but that's the word in Canberra. It makes him ScoMo. sound a, a man of the people. He's ScoMo. Mm. ScoMo, man of the yeah. people. So you've got ScoMo and Albo. <laughs> <laughs> now, 21st... The way, we shorten words, the way we shorten words is hilarious. I remember... Like, well, I when Australians put a no on it on the end of yeah, well, everything. I, I know when I was... Um, when I first came back from, to Australia for a Christmas party when I'd been living in New York for a long time and uh, I was, went to a friend's uh, house on the, on the northern beaches in Sydney for on Christmas Day and I said to the... When I walked, I said to their daughter, I said... Uh, Oh, what did you get for Christmas? She, oh, she said, I got a cosy for a Chrissy Prezzy. <laughs> <laughs> a cosy for a Chrissy Prezzy. And I thought, you're home, Darren, you're home. Yeah, that's uh, that's Australia. Australia, where you wouldn't want to be anywhere else. Oh, oh, look, I think we're running out of time here, Darren. 
Uh, one more thing. Well, well, Brisbane was announced as the host city for the 2032 Summer Olympics on the 21st of uh, July. Is that a is that a good thing for Australia? Yeah, it probably, it probably is. And I'm, I'm probably surprised at my saying that because I campaigned hard against Melbourne getting the 1988 Olympic Games and Brian Dixon, then the Minister for Sport, said, you killed that, Inch. You really killed that. And I raised the point... Now, so if you go out to Heidelberg and see what the old Olympic village from 56 looks like, is that what we want to do again? And I also pointed out that the, um, the city council, the state government, had not paid off all of the loans from the 1956 Games. Now, it wasn't stupid because the loan was at about a 2% rate or something, 4%, but it sounded very effective to say, we still haven't paid off the last Games. Why do you want to get saddled with money for the next ones? Because they always cost millions of dollars millions of dollars more than what they project and what they budget for. Mm. But, it, I mean, it'll be, it'll be good for Brisbane. And the thing is, it's not only Brisbane. They're going to spread them a bit more now. So it's not like the Los Angeles Games. It'll be the Californian Games. It's not the Brisbane Games. It's the Queensland Games. So they can move them around to various places, put some events in the Gold Coast, move some to Cairns or Townsville. So I think that gives a boost to the whole state. And uh, I guess the last thing we might talk about here, Darren, on the 22nd of September, the earth moved for most of us here <laughs> in Melbourne. Yes. Yeah, it did indeed. I was standing in my apartment and I thought, whoops, here's an earthquake coming. Because I said, being coming from New Zealand, we used to have earthquakes all the time. You'd run into the bathroom because that was the safest place to be with all the plumbing. If the house was going to fall down, the bathroom wouldn't and the shower wouldn't. But... Uh, yeah, it was a it was a bad one. Five five point nine magnitude uh, earthquake struck just after nine o'clock in in the morning, and it scared the. Uh, it, it, it it was 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 until you realised what was going on. You thought, am I? Is this is this really happening? What is this? Yeah, well, I um I um having as I said, I covered the nineteen seventy two earthquake in LA, and uh, that was when forty four forty five people died when a veterans hospital just fell over like a matchbox. Uh, and that was a terrible, terrible moment. But uh, and I remember driving with another journo along the freeway, and there's no other cars on the freeway, and they hadn't just locked, blocked it off yet. But I know why they should have. Suddenly, there's like a, a three foot gap appeared in the road. We had this gun. I had to gun the engine to jump the three foot gap to get across this hole in the road. Mm. It, was, it had snapped like a piece of licorice stick, you know. Darren, so, we've had some no, d- deaths as we normally do during. Uh, the year I noticed yep. John, John, John uh, sorry, the, the husband of uh, Quentin Bryce, Michael Bryce. Uh, did, you, did you know the Governor-General at all? I remember yes, I did, I did. Uh, she was, she's a good friend of Jackie Weaver's, so I met her several times. Jackie Weaver knows absolutely everybody. She does. She, well, she, she, it was she, a good she, move by you to marry her because through her <laughs> you met everybody. Uh, speaking of a uh, good, good person to marry because you know everybody, I, I'm going to drop a name now because it's nearly Christmas. I'll drop the name... Alfred Hitchcock. Um, I met him several times when I was a young journo, and Alfred Hitchcock told me that he used to send a telegram, that's how long ago it was, a telegram to all his friends as a Christmas present, as a Christmas card. And all he'd say on the telegram was A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, M, N, O, P, Q, R, S, T, U, V, W, X, Y, Z. And you know why he did that? <laughs> no idea. Noel. 
All right, there you go. That's why he's out. Alfred Hitchcock and we're not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no L. It takes a while. I tell you what, it's a hard joke to tell because your body tells, your mind tells you to put the, every letter in there. Yes, that's, that's right. It's like you've got to go, if you meant to say, I want to say, I want to drop the C, A, B, D, you don't. You go A, B, C, D. It's, so anyway, we got away with it. There we are. Nothing worse than messing up a joke. A joke, that's right. Anyway, happy Christmas for everybody. Uh, safe and meaningful. Be loved and love and all those things. And uh, I'll talk to you soon. All right. You too, Mr. Hinch. Merry Christmas to you and uh, your loved ones.